The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. We're going to talk this morning. I, uh, the praise team practices on Wednesday nights. Uh, y'all may have thought they never practiced. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They do a great <laughs> they do a great job of, of leading and uh, helping us worship and praise. And Dylan, we missed you up here today. Uh, Dylan, I appreciate him filling in last week uh, for me while I was on vacation. I had a good time, but I missed y'all, and I, I did go and worship at a, another church that I go to. I've made some friends there, and I enjoy going and seeing them and visiting with them. If you would, turn to First John. But what I was going to say is... Uh, we're talking about this morning a pleasing walk, and I think it's interesting how uh, the praise team chose never once have we ever walked alone, and uh, I didn't set that up. I didn't say, here's my sermon, here's my message. Matter of fact, they choose the songs as they're singing for the most part. Sometimes I, I'll say, well, I'd really like for y'all to sing this or that, but uh, that's how the Holy Spirit works, I believe, and uh, we're, we're going to continue in John, and we've been talking about recalculating our journey, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2 uh, here in just a moment, and we'll be in verse 3 when we, when we start reading, but uh, we're going to talk this morning about a pleasing walk, and we're uh, going to think about first taking tests, and I really don't know of anyone who likes to take tests. Now, I've told y'all before, I probably... Shouldn't say this, but I've already said it before. I did not like school. Amen. Who else is in that category? There's a few of us. Now, y'all are too young to say that back there, you little guys. Because <laughs> uh, school has changed, I'll say, maybe. Uh, but I did not like school. I was mama's boy. I, I thought my kids cried. I, Mama said I cried for a month when I started school, and I think that was when I was my senior year even, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I surely didn't like to take tests. It wasn't just the test I didn't like. There were a lot of things I didn't like. But the fact is some people even have a phobia about tests. You know, sometimes people talk about uh, as soon as a test is passed out, they freeze up. They the, the, the light suddenly gets brighter, the room seems smaller, and I recently ran across some impossible test questions. For me, a lot of them were impossible, but uh, these test questions would strike fear in any heart of any test taker. Now, I know some of you loved school and, and was ready to get started back and uh, liked everything about school, so here's a couple of final exam test questions for the final exam of a history class Describe the history of the papacy from its origin, origins to the present day, concentrating on its social, political, economic, religious, and philosophical, philosophical, see why I hated tests, impact on Europe, Asia, America, and, Afri and Africa. Be brief, concise, and specific. <laughs> so, uh, boy. Or a final exam for a medical student, have you, been, you have been provided with a razor blade, a piece of gauze, and a bottle of scotch. Remove your appendix. Do not do your suture work until it's been inspected by the professor. You have 15 minutes. Uh, here's one for the engineering student. 
The disassembled parts of a high-powered rifle have been placed in a box on your desk. You will find instruction manual printed in Swahili. In 10 minutes, a hungry Bengal tiger will be admitted into the test room. Take whatever action you feel appropriate and be prepared to justify your decisions. Um, so, uh, Christopher, was that on your, any of your engineering? No, not wasn't there. <laughs> uh, how about this question? Define the universe and give us three examples. <laughs> well, think about that. <laughs> uh, you know, even when you run across some simple test questions, these are what I didn't like. On the surface, they seem simple, but they may not be as awful. For instance, how do you answer the following questions? How long did the Hundred Years' War last? Anybody venture a guess? 116 years. <laughs> now, how would you answer that on a test if you didn't study? <laughs> And you didn't listen and you didn't take notes. You know, how long did the 100-year war last? Seems obvious, 116 years. Which country manufactures Panama hats? Of course, the correct answer is Ecuador. Here's another one. From what animal do we get cat gut? Sheep and horses, of course. <laughs> Not cats. How many of y'all, Chrissy, do you know that? Do y'all use cat gut, don't you? <laughs> From horses and sheep, I mean from horses and, and sheep, not from cats. Which months do the Russians celebrate the October Revolution? In November. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a good one. What was King George's, the fourth, first name? Albert. <laughs> Why wouldn't it George? Why wouldn't he be Albert the fourth or whatever? I guess he couldn't be. Uh, so, you know, when you get to taking test questions, and uh, uh, that's why a lot of us, or maybe some of us, like to get away from school, and I guess these are thought up in a teacher's lounge. I don't know. And the other thing is, what is a teacher's lounge? Did y'all grow up in school? And that was off-premises, wasn't it? That was the private... I still don't know what's in a teacher's lounge. I don't know if there's couches in there, if there's... What is it? Does anybody, is there something secret in the teacher's lounge? <laughs> Do what? Coffee. <laughs> Coke machine. That's why we had to stay out, wasn't it? No Cokes for the kids. But anyway, I don't know where all those test questions come, but, you know, as we get uh, away from the, uh, the rigors of our academic lives and we fill our lives with all kinds of other things, if you think about it, the tests never stop, do they? I mean, tests continue on. We have to take driver's tests, drug tests, polygraph tests, all kinds of... Uh, hopefully, you're not taking a sobriety test, but you may be. I have to take one when I'm randomly chosen at a, uh, and blowing a, uh, uh, blowing a little thing till it beeps and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. We take eye tests, uh, still Colton and Katie, and we have entrance exams. People in law enforcement, they have to requalify every few months on a, a uh, shooting range test and uh, you know a lot of times even in our chosen profession we have to have tests and uh, sometimes it's an ongoing process so tests are just a part of life uh, even in our spiritual life we have tests that we have to deal with and today what I want us to think about and if you say I hated school and I hated tests 
Well, don't check out on me this morning because uh, you're going to get to grade your own paper. I always love that. Multiple choice, grade your own paper. When you're in the lounge, that ain't the best test to get a true accuracy because if you're real careful, you can check the right answer while no one's looking when you, so the teacher says, here's the answer. I guess y'all teachers already know that, but uh, uh, you're going to grade your own test today, and we started a, a, about a month ago on a sermon series called Recalculating Your Journey, and we're using First John as kind of a Rand McNally, if you will, roadmap to uh, our spiritual journey, and, and we started out looking at the right foundation, and are we building on the right foundation, and uh, do we have the right companions, do we have the right source that we're going to, do we have the right goal in mind in our spiritual journey, and then the last couple of weeks we looked at a call to authenticity and being an authentic Christian in our daily life and in our spiritual journey together. But today we're going to look at three tests that we can give ourselves, that we can question today, whether our spiritual walk is pleasing to God, and that's our desire. I hope that's your desire, that your walk, your spiritual walk would be pleasing to God. And this morning, if I ask you that question, is your spiritual walk pleasing to God? You may say, well, I'm not sure. Or you may say, well, of course it is. Or you might say, well, of course it's not. But, but there's something we can do, and there's three indicators that we can use as a gauge to kind of gauge our spiritual life. Now, I hope this morning that you're not bored. Uh, you know, I've been, in, I've been in church pretty much all my life, and I've sat through some boring sermons and some boring times, and, and I hope that you're not bored here this morning. And I'll tell you one thing that'll help you out. If you do tend to get bored or your mind tends to wander, I do this every time I listen to a speaker, is take some notes. I'm not saying that I'm going to say anything that's worth uh, noteworthy, but you do that in class, you do it in college, you do it in school, and it keeps you engaged somewhat, and the Holy Spirit may give you some things that you can jot down that'll help you. But when we think about this, even if we don't like taking tests, they are helpful sometimes. They do kind of help us gauge where we are. They help the teacher gauge where we are and some things we need to work on. So as we do this, I want us to think about these three things that First John lays out for us that is kind of a test to where our walk, whether our walk is pleasing God or not. Now, here's the first one, and it's First John, and we're in chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 3. And this is what John says. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. So John says, we know that we've come to obey the Lord if we obey his commandments. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, when we read that passage of Scripture right there, there is a guide, there's something we can ask ourselves to say, am I really, obviously, living the kind of life God wants me to live? Here's the first test question. Loving obedience. Do I have loving obedience? We've talked in the previous weeks about the churches that... John is writing this letter to this church is in Asia Minor, and they're torn apart because there's strife inside the church. There's division inside the church. And inside these churches, there's this, there's this bitter battle going on about what group is right and what group is wrong. So 
God's church is meant to be a place of refuge. It's meant to be a place that a, a family can come and we can be a family of God. We can all be a part of that same family and that same spiritual growth. And we can't grow spiritually if there's war out there, if we're living on a battleground. Now, I'm not saying we have that in this church. We don't have that. But in this church that John's writing to, that's what they're dealing with. And maybe you may know someone who has dealt with that. Maybe they've dropped out of church because in the past there had been some kind of battle going on or there had been some kind of dissension in the church. And because of that, they've, they've fallen away from church and they're pursuing their own spiritual walk now. They've decided to do something different away from the church. And the problem with that is Christ says we need to be in the church. Don't forsake the assembly of the gathering of believers. That's what Christ says. We grow together as a church community. We're a body of Christ. Over and over, Christ tells us that we're a part of His body. And you know, if we just cut off a part of the body and throw it away, we're suffering as a body. So if we have someone who's part of our church who is no longer being involved, the body of the church is suffering. You may say, well, I'm not suffering any. Well, the body is suffering. I always liked this story about a guy who, who uh, was a friend of ours, and he had his, I think it was his little toe cut off. He had diabetes, and they had to cut his little toe off. And I was talking to his mom, and I said, how's George? And she said, well, he's in therapy. I said, what for? She said, well, you know he had his toe cut off. I said, he's just his little toe. She said, yeah, he's got to learn to walk again. Did y'all know that? He had to go to therapy to figure out how to balance again because of the one little toe. And, and, you know, his thumb or his hand or his head mess said, I'm not working. But that one little toe, I don't know how long your little toe is. Mine's pretty little. But that one little toe affected his whole walk. So don't look around today and say, well, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a little toe in this church. It doesn't matter if I'm here or if I'm gone. No one will ever notice it. Yeah, you've, you've affected the whole balance of the church. That's why God calls you, places you in a church where you can serve. Because you're part of the body of Christ. So John is saying here, if we, if we say that we're walking with Christ, yet we fail to have loving obedience, then we're out of step with what God wants from us. We've, we've, gotten, out, we've gotten out of step. <clears throat> and if we want to be strong in our walk with God, we can't turn away from His family. We can't turn away from the family of, God, of Christ. So... In this setting, John uses this first test to evaluate in our spiritual walk to God in verses 3 through 6. How can we know we truly have a walk with God? How, to know, how can we know we've truly had a life-changing event with Christ? It is the church that we go to. It's, it's how we conduct ourselves within the church. And John talks about this. It's not the size of the Bible we carry. He doesn't say that. It's not the length of our hair. It's not how we dress. It's not uh, what kind of supernatural experience we may have had at some time that we've, we've fallen down in front of a TV evangelist or we've got up and speaking in tongues. John says, here's a measure. If we have a true relationship, if we're in a true walk, he says this, the way we can be sure that we've come to know God is by obeying God's commandments. This is how the word obey, this is what it means. Something we do over and over again. Uh, Raymond Brown, a Bible scholar, he says this word obey means a continuous nature of the action. Something that goes over and over. One Bible said something we do daily, detailed, discipline in our obedience to God. 
So we're thinking about obeying God's commandments. Now, I know we don't like the word obey sometimes, do we? That's an unpopular word, especially if we're grown up and we're adults. Well, even children, it doesn't matter. We don't like somebody to say, look, you need to obey this. You need to obey these things. I won't even ask you to raise your hand. Does any of y'all not wear seatbelts? Why? Well, I, I don't. It's the law. I'm not going to obey it. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to obey this law because I don't particularly think I need to. It's my own right. Well, what is obedience? Why do we do that? I don't want to do it because I don't want to obey that law. I don't agree with it. So we do have trouble sometimes with obedience. Now, that's just a, a silly example of something, but, but obedience. And, and Christ says this, we're to live in obedience by knowing that we're God's, we know we're God's by obeying his commandments. Now, John doesn't specify which commandments we're to obey. So this morning you may say, well, there's, there's many commandments out there. We can go back to the Old Testament. We can look at some of the, the, the old Jewish laws about food. I've, people bring that up occasionally. No, we're not supposed to eat this food or that food. That's what the Bible says. What do you think about that? What, things that are ceremonially clean or unclean, what do you think about that? Or, or some kind of uh, lengthy list of rules and regulations that we find in the Old Testament. Exactly what are you talking about when you say obey his commandments? Well, that's a good question. It's it's a good enough question that one day Jesus was out teaching and his disciples came and the Pharisees came and the scribes came and the rulers came and they said, we're going to trick Jesus. <clears throat> There's 691 or 31 laws written out here and we're going to come to Jesus and we're going to say, what is the greatest commandment? What's the thing we need to concentrate on more? And, and, and all of y'all, or a lot of y'all here already know that's what he was, what the, what the answer was. This is what Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Christ said these commandments can be summed up in that one commandment. Now that's key for us. Listen, all the commandments according to Christ. We're talking about loving obedience. We're talking about obeying Christ's commandments. Christ said this, they can all be rolled up. They can all be balled up together with this one Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if we think about how can I know if I'm keeping the Lord's commandments, how can I know if I'm living in loving obedience? Well, ask yourself this question. Am I loving the Lord my God with all my heart, and am I loving my neighbor as myself? The, the, the heart of God's commands are summed up in, in those words, wholehearted love for the Lord and for one another. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 5, he says, if anyone obeys God's word, God's love is truly made complete within him. Now, what that word made means, it means to be accomplished, or it means to accomplish his purpose, or accomplish one's purpose. So listen to this. If anyone obeys God's word, God's love has accomplished his purpose in us. I want to say it again. If anyone obeys God's word, then God's love has met its accomplishments, its purpose in us. So what's God's purpose for saving us? What's God's purpose for calling us? What, what is the reason that God has has 
come to us and said, I want to draw you to myself, I want you to be saved, that his love may be made complete in us, that, that the, the purpose him, it might accomplish his purpose. Let me give you some examples of that. If you have a sickness and you go to the doctor and he gives you some penicillin or he gives you some kind of antibiotic, is that the right word, antibiotic? Thank you. He gives you something like, and you start taking it and you're still sick, and then a couple of days later, when that antibiotic has accomplished its purpose, when it's made complete in you, then your infection's gone. And so, so you begin to take that antibiotic, and it begins to kill off the infection, and then when you're well, then its purpose has been accomplished in you. That's the same word that John is using here. When God's love is in us, when it's made, when it's completed its purpose, we have God's love displayed within us. That purpose has been fulfilled in our lives. Maybe you, go to, you went to college and you went to college for four years and there's a day comes and you sit down and you study day and night for a few days and, and someone lays a test out before you and you sit down and you take that final exam and the professors look at that final exam and they say, okay, this is, a, this is an A, this is a passing score. We've accomplished our purpose in that person. We've taught them what they need to do to, to be able to move out in their profession. That, that's been made complete. The same is true for us when Christ's love is made complete in us. God has accomplished His purpose within our lives, within our hearts. So I want to ask you this. Is your walk characterized by loving obedience? When you think about your walk with Christ, is it characterized by loving obedience? Now listen, I want you to understand something. We're not saved through that. We can't say, you know what, I, I was thinking about what Jake said this morning through the, the direction of the Holy Spirit and through God's Word, and, and I love folks, and I love the folks here this morning. I must be saved. Remember this, our loving obedience is a result of our salvation. It's not something that we can say, well, well I can learn to love people. I can learn to deal with people, and, and maybe that'll give me some kind of merit that'll bring me salvation. No, that's not what John's saying. It's saying the result of our salvation, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, we all have to confess our sins, we all have to ask for forgiveness from the Father, but when that takes place, God's loving obedience begins to develop within us, and it needs to be made complete. That's what John's talking about here. So obedience to God's commandments isn't the door to the knowledge of God. It's a result of our walk with God, that loving obedience. So that's the first test question, the test of loving obedience. As you grade your own paper, ask yourself, how do I score in loving obedience? What is that? Boy, you got all these laws. You've rambled all kind of around. Let me back up one time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Sum it up in that one statement, that one verse. So how have you done? How do you score on the first test of loving obedience? Here's the second, test question number two, a commitment to truth. A commitment to truth, verses 7, verses 8. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old commandment, this message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a commandment. It is the truth in seeing him and you because in the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. 
So we see here John's talking. Now, God, what John's talking about is this new commandment that he says, I'm not giving you a new commandment. He kind of seems like he, he contradicts himself in those two verses. But what John is talking about, he's talking about this greatest commandment that's been around forever. And if you go back, John chapter 13, this is the, uh, the gospel of John, chapter 13, 34 and 35. Christ says this, a new commandment I give you to love one another. Just as I have loved you, so that you must love one another, by this all men will know that you're my disciple if you have love for one another. Jot that scripture down. Write it in the margin somewhere. How will others know that I'm a Christian? How can others know that I'm born again? I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. Now, John 15, 12, again in the Gospel of John. My commandment is this from Christ. Love each other as I have loved you. That's Christ's commandments for us. When we think about our spiritual walk, is our walk pleasing to God? Do we have love for one another? Do we love the brethren? (coughs) If we look around and think about what John's writing, we can ask ourselves this question. Do I love the brethren here today? Do I love the people I'm sitting around with today? Most of these false teachers that's taking part in what's happening in this church that John's writing to, these churches in Asia Minor, they've come up with a new idea. Now listen to this. These false teachers came to this church, just just say this church, and they said, hey, I want to speak this morning. I was preaching, and, and somebody says, hey, Curtis says, hey, I got a new word this morning, and, and the Lord revealed to me this, and, and he gives you all a new idea, and he says, hey, this is new. This is something exciting. This is something fun. You need to try this. Well, part of this group at this church in Asia said, hey, that sounds good to me. It's something new and exciting. It's something fresh. Man, that's going to be fun to be involved (coughs) in some kind of new word. John is saying this. This commandment I'm writing, it's not something new. You've had it from the very beginning, but I am giving you a new perspective on it. See, he says back in Leviticus 19.18, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your own people, but love your neighbor as yourself, and I am the Lord, and I've spoken. So so these folks would have understood, hey, this has been a commandment uh, that's been repeated throughout the Old Testament, that we're to to love our neighbors. There's nothing new about this. There's not not something that that you've never heard. Yeah, it's the same old story, but (coughs) you need to think about what Christ has done. He's demonstrated that love. You need to realize this. These folks had never seen anyone demonstrate the kind of love Christ did. What did Christ do? He came to the earth. God himself came to the earth. He loved the people and gave his life for people. So John is saying this. You've heard this commandment in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Love Love the Lord your God with all your heart. But I'm giving you a new ideal. We need to love as Christ has loved us. See the newness of that ideal? That newness of of Christ has come. He's given us a whole new depth of our love. He's, He's given us a greater understanding of what it means to truly love someone. And as we begin to put this together, the newness is still this. We have Christ. We have a new love that He's demonstrated for us. And we need to find that truth in His Word. 
The only place we're going to find the truth of God's love is by being in His Word, by being involved in His Word, by, by spending some time in studying His Word. So I want to ask you this. Is part of your commitment, is it characterized by a commitment to God's truth? A commitment to God's Word? A commitment to the truth of His Word? That's the second question. How do you score when you think about your spiritual commitment to God's Word and the truth of His Word. <coughs> and the last thing, tw- test question number three, is a sacrificial love. Look at verses 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother <coughs> is still in darkness. <coughs> Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother is in light. And there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. And he does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Now I think for me, I have to read something two or three times for it to sink in. I have to go back and look at it and read it and read it and read it. So I want to invite you to do that, verses two through uh, 9 through 11 in 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> but I want us to think about this, this loving each other. What's he say here one more time? Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is in darkness. But whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing there that causes him to stumble. We're talking about walking in the light. So I'm going to ask you, it's pretty easy for us to love our wives, isn't it? It's pretty easy for us to love our husbands. Amen? Boy, that's weak. <laughs> I am lovable. I mean, you, I'm just like a big old teddy bear. I'm just so lovable, right? Amen? <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, that's better than nothing. Uh but you know what? It's hard for us to love sometimes people that we, we have no affection for, isn't it? I mean, it's easy for us to love our a few people. I mean, it's easy for us to love our wives. It's easy for us to love our, our children. It's easy for us to love a few friends. You know, it's not, it's not that difficult. Maybe a few people that we, we really dislike, but we probably really don't hate anybody. I mean, we, there's probably very few people that we would just say we just hated. But for the most part, everyone outside of that, that small circle of our, of our spouse and our children and of our friends, everybody outside of that small circle, we're kind of neutral towards, aren't we? I mean, we don't hate them. We may not even dislike them, but we certainly don't love them. I mean, it's, there, it's, just, kind of a, it's just kind of a neutral ground. We don't really categorize people as to other I love them or I hate them. We, we just kind of treat them indifferently. I mean, it, it's just kind of uh, in between, not particularly loved, but certainly not hated, just, just, just kind of indifferent to everyone. Well, I want us to think about this and what Christ is saying. John doesn't leave that option for us. He says we need to, we need to love everyone. We need to love our neighbors. And, and Jesus talks about this, and he says this, Anyone can love your family. Anybody can love people that love you back. But, but folks, as Christians, if our, if our walk is where God wants us to be, we need to realize we never will meet a person that God doesn't love. 
we'll never meet a person that Christ didn't die for. And his desire is that all come to repentance in him. In other words, are we brothers and sisters in Christ this morning? We are. So what he wants us to do is find others and say, you know what? We want to bring you into our family. We love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ for the most part. Oh, I know in churches we have that same problem sometimes. We, we may not particularly care for someone. We, we might, might particularly love someone. You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says we need to go to that person, bring them to the altar, and get it straightened out. Whew, that ain't popular, is it? Well, I would never do that. Why not? That's what God's Word says. It says if we have something against our brother, go to him, bring him to the altar, pray with him, and work it out. But beyond that, we need to be about building the family of God. We need to be about reaching out and loving those who are unlovable. It's really easy to love people that love us back, but we need to be looking, and we need to be building relationships, and we need to be loving those who Christ loves what did he say to us? Love others, what? Just as... Okay? Let's look at this right here. Oh, i got to back up. Listen to this. This is my commandment. That you love others just as I have loved you. He says we're to love others as we love ourselves. We love ourselves, don't we? How many of y'all looked in a mirror this morning? How many of y'all just ain't going to raise your hand because you just don't raise your hand in church? <laughs> Somebody raised their hand, believe that or not. <laughs> How many of you got up and combed your hair this morning, shaved? How many of you ladies shaved this morning? <laughs> I mean, we love ourselves, don't we? I mean, we feed ourselves. We drink when we're thirsty. We get dressed. We look in the mirror and make sure everything looks okay. We shave our beards. We comb our hair or we shave it off. Whatever we have to do, we, we love ourselves. You say, well, that don't mean I love myself. Of course it does. You take care of yourself. You, you nourish yourselves. You, you do the things you enjoy doing. If you enjoy going and, and spending some time in the park, you go and do those. Why? Because you love yourself. And Christ says we're to love others as we love ourselves. And not only that, we're to love others the way Christ loved us. What did he do for us? He gave himself for us. You say, boy, Brother Jake, you're way out there today. I'm not near that committed. I'm not really, I'm not fixing to go out and love everybody. That's what God's Word says. Where are you at in your spiritual walk? John says, here's the test. Are you obeying his commandments? Are you living in his truth? And are you loving others as he loved you? You know what? We have a lot of opportunities in this church to love others. We have an, uh, Charlotte gives us opportunities all the time to, to give to other countries and other children. You know what we're doing? We're loving those folks. We have opportunities here in our community to, to share with, with groups in need in our school systems and also folks that, that have trouble having food to eat. We, we take part in that. You know what we're doing? We're loving others. When we look at those folks and we have compassion upon them. We're loving others. And that's what Christ's Word calls us to do. I want you just to think about how many people have been driven out of the Christian community simply because of, of hatred they've experienced from other Christians. 
They come to a place looking for joy. They come to a place looking for comfort. They come to a place looking for love. And because of our actions or because of our words or because of our looks, they're driven away from the church. Folks, we need to look at others with the eyes that Christ has and realize that He has a love for all. And we're to love others as Christ has loved us. So here's the final test question. In our spiritual journey, is it characterized by sacrificial love for others? How would you grade yourself this morning on that sacrificial love for others? The churches that John's writing to here, they're torn apart by division and controversy and dissension. That's what he's writing to. It was bad enough that some of the, the former members, they're now denying that Jesus was even Messiah. That's what's happening in these churches in Asia. They've come to the point of saying, you know, I don't think Christ was even the Messiah. But in Christ, he begins to, to call these churches together and say, stop fighting, stop criticizing one another, and, and really think about what's happening Today, you know what people do when that happens? We just go find another church. We just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave there. I'm going to find me another church. There in this church, there wasn't another option. There wasn't a place they can say, well, I can just make two extra turns and I can be at another church. And in this time, there was, a, there was a time that the church existed and it was one church and it was the, the church of Jesus Christ and they came together as followers of Christ. So as John began to teach, he was saying, you need to realize there's some dangers in false teachings. And the way we can keep a church moving and the way we can grow the church is by loving one another. John chooses this word. It's a Greek word, and I'm sure you've all heard it if you've been in church. It's the word agape, <laughs> and it's that kind of love that describes God's love. It's the kind of love that, that is freely given, it's generously given, and there's no strings attached, regardless of the worthlessness of whatever the object is. Agape love says, I'm going to love you just the same. And as John's teaching this church, as he's teaching these, these Christians who are falling away, who have gotten off track with their walk, he says this, God has given us a commandment that we're to love each other with that agape love, that love that has no strings attached. A Christian who betrays our trust, a, somebody that lets us go, someone that, that lies to our faces, we, we have so much trouble letting go of that. And, and having forgiveness for that person and loving you, you may say, I don't think I can do that. You know the only way we can do that? It's through a supernatural love that God gives us, only through Christ. And today, if you'd say, you know, I, I struggle with that. On that last question, that sacrificial love, I have to write down on there, I got a 37 on there. I mean, I, I didn't do too hot on that. But I don't know what to do about it. This is where we need to start. We need to come back to Christ. And we need to say, you know, Father, I'm, I'm struggling right here in that area. I want, to be, I want my spiritual walk to be pleasing to you, but, but Lord, I'm struggling right here in this area. And you know, that goes back to what we talked about two weeks ago. The, the Lord says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And you know what? He gives us a first new start. Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard of him. He wrote this in a book. We spend too much time worrying about whether we really love our neighbor or not when we should just act as if we do 
And as we do loving things, then love will follow. Did you hear that? We spend too much time worrying about, do I really love my neighbor? When we should act as if we do, and as we do loving things, love will happen. You know, I heard about a story of a, of a man who went to see his doctor, and after he come out of the examining room, the doctor said, would you, uh, would you send your wife in here? And he said, yes. And he sent her in, and uh, the doctor said, your, your husband is gravely ill, and uh, he needs your loving care. Uh, he needs to be able to sit and not be disturbed. He needs his meals brought to him. Uh, he don't need any hollering or nagging. And through that, I think he'll overcome this illness. And when they got in the car to go home, the husband looked at his wife and said, well, what did the doctor say? And she said, you're going to die. <laughs> uh, a newspaper columnist named George Crane this went along with this, told of a, a woman who was filled with hatred towards her husband. Someone canceled a woman and said to act as if she really cared for her husband. Tell him how much he meant to her. Praise him for any decent trait he has. Be kind and considerate. Be generous whenever possible. Then, the counselor said... When she had fully convinced him of her undying love, file for divorce. See, her, her motive was revenge. So with revenge in her eyes, she said, that's perfect. That's what I'll do. And she did. Do you know what happened? The more she demonstrated that sacrificial love, the more she began to realize she loved him. And that, that actual love started growing, and within a few months, divorce was the furthest thing from our mind. Now, folks, that's what we're talking about. When we spend too much time worrying about if we really love our neighbor or not, when we should act as if we do, do loving things, and then love will happen. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. That's the final test question. Is your walk pleasing to God? Does your spiritual life pass those three tests? Is it characterized by loving obedience? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is how others will know that I'm in you and you're in me if you love the brethren, if you love your neighbors? Is your walk committed to God's truth? And is your walk committed to sacrificial love? If it's not, don't condemn yourself, but discover that commitment in Christ Jesus. That's where we find joy. That's where we find a burden lifted. That's where we can be restored in the joy of our salvation, in the joy of our walk with Him. So don't condemn yourself and say, well, I'm just not there and I don't think I can get there. Find that relationship with Jesus Christ 
and let him re-energize our walk today. Father, I pray this morning, as we just consider your ways and your walk, I pray, Father, as we think about where we are in you and who we are in you, Father, I pray that we would know you have a desire for us to walk in your ways. And, Father, as we walk in your ways, at that point is where we find joy. It's where we find obedience. It's where we find a fullness in our walk with you. Father, I pray this morning as your spirit moves among us, as your spirit leads us, Father, that we would want to be walking the way you would lead us and the path that you'd have us take. And, Father, I pray now that as we come to a time of an opportunity to do business with you, however your spirit would lead, you, lead us, Father, I pray that we would respond, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.